Bless you. <laughs> Get that out. I really hope we know we know what that what that means when we sing that song. There is no other name. There is no other name. Jesus. Jesus. Before I get started this morning, I just, I just need to pray. Can we pray? Can we do that? Father, we need you in this place. We need more of you. Wake us up. Wake us up. As we go before you this morning, Lord, we just ask that your kingdom would come, your will would be done in this place. Lord, we don't want this time to be just a moment in time where we share some brief moments together where we learn more, where everything you've led me to say leads to head knowledge. Lord, I cry out desperately for this church, whether it's a first-time guest or a long-time member, that our hearts would be enraptured with you right now. That your spirit from your word would just transform hearts in this place this morning. That we would be overcome with joy and we would sing maybe just in our hearts with, this, with the angels in heaven because we get to see people surrendering their life and making a public declaration of their faith two weeks in a row that you're moving in this church, that there's pastors I know that haven't seen baptisms in, in years. That you're alive in this place, Lord. That you're changing hearts and lives and we, we can't do it. I can't do this. I can't do this by myself. We rely fully on you, Lord, and we just ask that your work would be done here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Are you guys ready? Are you ready? God's doing something in this place. I feel a slumber, like a, just, a, just like a cloud of apathy in this place today. Don't take offense to it. I just feel it. And I, I've just been praying in my heart that the God would break it. Folks, we can't get to a place where we get apathetic about this. There's too much at stake. There's literally lives at stake on what we do here. You with me? All right. If you haven't been here before, we're in the, actually the last week of a series called God Never Said That. 
God never said that. And looking at things that people think, people say, maybe even biblical passages that people have uh, pulled out of the scriptures and applied them to places. And we were kind of saying throughout the series, no offense to anybody, but God really never said that. And what the Bible really says, and, and I ho- hope you've enjoyed the series. I have had so much fun preaching this series. I have. And, and so uh, this week, you know, with the baptisms and everything, I hope I can get this all out, what I have to share. In fact, I thought to myself uh, on uh, Tuesday this week, I was like, oh my goodness, Lord, this is such a huge topic to cover in a short period of time. So I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to be able to cover it all in a short period of time. You're going to have questions unanswered in the time that we have this morning, but I'm going to be honoring to what God says. The thing that I'm going to talk about this morning is uh, it's more of a mindset than it is maybe something that comes. And maybe you've never run into it, but the reality is, is that I'm about to share with you a story that tells you that it's prevalent in Christians. And I want to speak against it and speak into it this morning. And that's this phrase right here. All suffering comes from sin. All suffering comes from sin. Let me, let me share a story with you this morning, a story I share with permission from my brother and sister-in-law, uh, years ago, my brother and sister-in-law uh, had a son, and um, Jessica was 33 days, remember? Yeah, that he lived, 33 days that he lived. He uh, was born premature, never made it out of the NICU, never came home, and he died. And I want to read for, read for you just this morning a couple things that happened. This is from my sister-in-law. The first time that she came up against this was after she returned a week to work, four weeks after their son's death, Aaron's death. She had a meeting with someone at work that knew that it would happen, and she was very kind, asked how she was doing, and then she asked her if she was born again, implying that the reason why her child died was because she wasn't saved. And this broke her. She was very confused. She was very... Uh, convicted, she thought, or falsely convicted, she thought, what was, what's wrong with me? I didn't know what she meant by that question, and she offered that, so my, that my sister-in-law could talk to her pastor about her e- eternal soul because of the fact that, you know, her baby died, and um, she said, I think that she was trying to help me, but she was really trying to say there must be some kind of sin in her life that caused this to happen. Uh, another time that stands out was uh, at Turkey Hill, in Elizabethtown, not too far away from here. Uh, she had made a, spe- a small photo book with Aaron and pictures and some quotes of his uh, memorial service, words to songs and hymns, and she felt it helpful when, when people asked how she was doing to introduce them to Aaron to tell the story. And she ran into Turkey Hill real quick and dropped her purse, and the photo book came out, and the woman picked it up and started looking through it. And she handed it back to her, and when she did, she handed it, and she said to her, before you have any other babies, you better get right with God. As you can imagine, she immediately started sobbing, right? She immediately started sobbing. She couldn't believe that someone would say this to her. But folks, here's the thing, whether, I I don't want us to get caught up in the story, here's the thing, this is a prevalent mindset amongst some people in, Christ, in Christianity. These are stories, this is two stories that are personal to me, but I've heard them from other people. 
So what I'm going to try to do just real quick is just talk about suffering and ask the question, does all suffering come from sin? Does every time you suffer, is it a result of your personal sin? Now, certainly, I don't think all suffering comes from sin, but we all suffer at one point or another. We all are dealing with things in our lives. If we were to talk to all of you within the week, you'd all tell me that there are things that you've gone through, things that you're going through, and here's the thing. We all do our best, right? Some of us are really doing our best. We're trying to do good. We're trying to go to church. We're trying to help people sometimes, but we just can't get ahead. And those things happen. We feel like no matter how good we're going, that things seem to be stacked against us. We ask questions. We ask questions like, why is God allowing this to happen to me? Have you ever been there? Have you ever said, why is this happening, God? Why? Or, or maybe you say this, God, why don't you fill in the blank? Right? Like, you have the power to do this. Why don't you step in and do something about it? Have you ever felt that way? I know I have. You're not alone. You're not alone. In Scripture, we see this. I mean, David cries out to God in the Psalms all the time. He says things, this is the Dan version, like, are you listening? Do you even care? I mean, that's what he does. Or, or maybe Job. You ever hear, read the, the story of Job, the book of Job in your Bibles? I mean, he lost his house. He lost his kids. He lost his house. house he lost his business. He's got boils on his skin. He's breaking pots and taking part of the pottery to scrape the boils. Yeah, that's really cool, huh? I mean, he's doing all this stuff. His wife basically told him to curse God and die. That's a, that's a very helpful spouse. And then he's got, all these, he's got all these friends, these jerk friends that show up. They try to convince him that there must be some kind of sin in his life that's causing this to happen. It's in Scripture. And then my favorite example of someone who suffered that probably didn't even deserve it was John the Baptist. Or should I should call him John the Baptizer. I don't believe one denomination should get credit for him. Um, John the Baptizer, who... who was Jesus' cousin, and we know that his entire purpose on earth was to prepare the way for Jesus. He was a humble servant of the Lord. He called out and he said, here he is, the Lamb of God, come to take the sins away from the world. I'm not even worthy to tie his sandals. I mean, he was, the, he was the prophet. Jesus said there was no one greater than him, and yet he was put in prison. Did you know that? Do you remember that? He was put in prison, and, and he's thinking to himself, he's got to be thinking to himself, listen, I'm good. Like, I know I'm in jail, I know things are pretty bad, but like, Jesus is my cousin. Yeah, like the Son of God, he's my cousin, and I was here for him, I was the forerunner for him, he's done all kinds of miracles, he's healed people, he's helped strangers out, certainly he's going to help out his cousin, right? Yeah. Luke 17, 19 tells us that he sends some of, his, some of his followers to Jesus at one point and says, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? In other words, um, I'm in jail and if you're really who I think you are, I shouldn't be. What's going on, God, right? And he didn't just lose his house or his job, he lost his head. Literally, in case you didn't know. Bible's a fun thing to read, you should do it. Right? Jesus had the power to rescue him that he didn't. He was suffering. Like I said, I'm not going to answer all the questions in 20 minutes, but I'm going to point you to the one who can this morning. That's all I'm going to do. So a couple of things I want to talk about when we talk about suffering, when we talk about these struggles that we have. Is it really that they come from sin? How do we look at suffering in our lives? Well, the first thing I will say is some of our suffering does come from sin. It does. 
Some of our suffering does. I mean, the suffering that we have, the scriptures are very clear. One of the reasons why we suffer, one of the reason thing, reasons bad things happen, we have to thank Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, 16 to 17. After they fall, after they willfully disobey God, he tells them that there's going to be suffering in this world. Adam is going to have to work, and his work is not going to be a fun thing to do. Eve's going to have babies, and it's going to hurt. That she's going to have a labor from that. There's going to be trials in our lives. There's going to be difficulties in our lives. Jesus even said to his disciples before he ascended to heaven, he said, you know what? There will be trouble in this world, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And because of the sin of Adam, though, leading up before Jesus, there was a sin, there was sin that came into the world. Our, our world is now broken, and we were all born into sin. And our sin, whether we like it or not, sometimes causes suffering. It does. Let's, let's, let's take the church language out of it. Sometimes we do dumb stuff, and we got to pay for it. My dad used to say to me all the time, son, if you're going to be dumb, you better be tough. <laughs> right? Yeah. It does. Some of our sin comes from our suffering. And Proverbs, Proverbs tells us that some of our suffering actually comes because of the people we hang out with. Proverbs 13, 12, 20, 13, 20 tells us, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. This is something, if you have teenagers, this is a, this is a verse that you should make them memorize, like my dad did. Because the people, that you, the people that you hang out with, the people that you surround yourself with will impact the, the direction and the quality of your life. That's the reality. And sometimes the sin of the people even you're hanging out with that you've invited into your life will make you suffer harm. Some of your suffering, some of the things that happen to you, some of the difficulties you're facing are because of your sin. And actually, they're not suffering that is supposed to hurt you. That's suffering that's supposed to lead you to repentance because God's disciplining you for your sin. I tell people all the time, if you're convicted of your sin, it's a confirmation of, a, of your sonship. Because who of us who is a father knows that if your kid's doing something wrong, you're going to correct them, right? And some of the things you're dealing with is because of your sin, and the Lord is trying to correct you. He's trying to discipline you. Hebrews 12, 6 tells us, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastises every son whom he receives. And I don't know if that makes you feel good this morning. But that's the reality. Sometimes we get into, we're, we suffer. Sometimes we, we deal with struggles in our life because of our sin. It's, it's the way it is. And sometimes it's because of people we hang out with. Some of the times it's the choices we make. Sometimes it's because God's allowing it to happen. He's removed his protection from us to allow us to stub our toe, to hit our head, you know, so that we wake up and we return to him. So we, because he wants us to be led back to him. He wants us to repent. He wants us to turn back to him because he loves us. Some of our suffering is because it's a broken world. When sin came in through Adam and Eve, it didn't just corrupt our nature. The whole world became corrupted. I don't have to tell you this, right? All you have to do is get on your phone onto your news app and look at it every morning. It's filled with things. Mass murders, racist shootings, natural disasters, people being abused physically, mentally, emotionally, right? Those things have happened. Some of those things have happened to you, and it's because of somebody else and their sinful nature that it's happened to you. But some of the things that we go through, some of the suffering that we see in the world is because the world is broken, and it's not as it should be. When God created it, he said it was good. 
And and then when sin entered, it became broken. This entire book from Genesis to the maps, folks, is actually about God's plan to rescue and redeem the world. And so when you are suffering, this points to, it shouldn't point you to the absence of God. It should point you to the truth of this. Because this, this book is very clear. God's revealed word to us is very clear that something isn't right and he has made it his mission. In fact, he sent his only son here as it were for his mission to redeem the world from being broken. And even though he has done that through his death and resurrection, we still live in a place where we have already seen Christ overcome the world and yet we still live in a world that still is broken. And we live in that tension until he returns. But then because of that, there is still suffering. And our suffering is not something that necessarily is our fault. It's just the reality of the world. We see people in the Bible all the time that suffer. We see the prophets suffer. They're faithful to God and they suffer. We see God's people, the Israelites, suffer because people don't like them. Remember Haman in the book of Esther? He wanted to wipe them out. Was that because it was the Israelites' fault? No. They're suffering in the world because of people. Romans 8.22 tells us very clear about the world. He says that we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. What, What Paul's saying there is that the reality of our broken world is this. If you have spiritual ears, you actually can hear creation groaning and suffering like a woman in childbirth. That's what he says. It's groaning. It's saying it's not as it should be. This is not right. If you feel that in your suffering, guess what? You're right. It's not the heart of God. It says that we, we who are the sons of God are also groaning, longing for our redemption, longing for Jesus to come back and make everything new again. But in the meantime, we live in this world and some of our suffering is just because of that. But we have hope, don't we? We have hope. And if suffering was because of sin of the world, if suffering was because of the sin of the world, it's been broken. It's been broken by the one who suffered for you and for me. Luke 22 tells us this. Jesus, at the night that he was betrayed at the, at the, at the, in the garden and at, at dinner, he said, I earnestly desired, at the, before the last supper, I earnestly desired to eat this Passover before I suffer. Jesus suffered because sin entered the world and suffering was a reality in the world and he wanted to break that. And here's the thing. This is a tough thing. We live in a tension. I'll say this over and over. We live in a tension. Yes, God, I accept your truths. Yes, I know that you've, re- you've redeemed, you've rescued everything, and yet most of us can tell a story where something's happened. Most of us can tell a story of how we suffered may not because of our sin, but it may be because of the world. But here's the thing that I think is good news because of what Jesus did when he suffered. God can work out his purposes in your suffering. We see that in scripture all the time. Someone lets you down. You lose something. You lose someone. Someone takes advantage of you. Life doesn't go the way you want it to. You're diagnosed with cancer. You, somebody, someone that's close to you dies. Maybe it's something simple like you get a flat tire or you wake up with a sore throat, Right? And we feel like that's suffering some days, depending on how things are going for you. But the reality is that was, as kingdom-minded people, as Jesus-minded people, God can work out his purposes in our suffering. In, Luke, or in John chapter 9, Jesus and his disciples are walking along, and they see this guy who's born blind, and they say to Jesus, they say, who sinned? 
Who sinned that this man was born blind? Because they had an idea that suffering was transactional. That was very prevalent in the Old Testament, in the Jewish mind, that suffering was transactional, that all suffering came from sin. So surely it was the mom who sinned, or the dad who sinned, or maybe it was the man who sinned, and he was being punished for being born blind. That's what they thought. And they had reason to think that because the book of Deuteronomy says that the sins of people will be passed down onto their families. There's such a thing as generational sin. And so they assumed that's the only reason for suffering, and Jesus was very clear to them. He said, it's not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God may be displayed in him. Even in the middle of the suffering, God can work out his purpose to display his glory through your suffering. Have you ever prayed that in the middle of it, folks? Have you ever prayed in the middle of it? Have you complained to God or have you said to God, hey, maybe you're up to something and I just want the way I live through this under your power to glorify you. Because God can do that. And he can use your suffering to glorify himself. That's why James says this. James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let the steadfast, and that let steadfastness, steadfastness, I can't talk, ugh, have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. In the middle of your suffering, God can work it out so that your steadfastness your patience, your holding on in the middle of it, that he can work out something in you that he brings about your perfection, your completion, that you lack nothing. Have you ever approached suffering that way? Have you ever thought in the middle of it, wow, maybe God, just maybe I'm going through this because God's trying to do something in me so that he can, per- he can perfect in me his image. And God, if this is what I gotta go through in order that you may work in me so that I can glorify you, I'm willing to do it. Because that's the way we can approach this as followers of Jesus Christ. Romans 5 says this, and we glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which was given to us. Yeah, we can glory in our tribulations because maybe, just maybe, in our tribulations as we persevere, God is pouring hope through the Holy Spirit into us. When's the last time you thought of suffering that way? It's interesting, both of these verses, both, both this verse and, and the previous verse here, where, where the previous verse says, says steadfastness. Where is it at? I lost it. Where the previous verse says steadfastness. There it is. And in this verse, where it says perseverance, it's the same Greek word. And the Greek word here is the word hypomene. Hypomene. You know what hypo is? It's a prefix. It means under. It's where we get hypodermic. Okay? And mene just means to remain to remain, maybe even remain under the weight. So what, what Paul's saying, what James is saying is that in the middle of the suffering, maybe just maybe God wants you to remain under the weight of it for a while so that he can crush the coal in your heart and make a diamond. Maybe just maybe it's for his purpose in your life 
And your call is to remain faithful and remain under it and to persevere and to shift your mind away from what's wrong with me, what's wrong with God, God's abandoned me, and shift to maybe just maybe God's at work in my heart and life right now. And he's using the brokenness of the world to bring about his beauty in me. Am I preaching to anyone here this morning? Is anybody awake? Is this a different mindset for you? Because this is what the Lord says, or this through his word. This is what he says could be possible. He says in Romans 8, 28, as we, as we know that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. That God can work out even the things, because maybe he's not the author of it, but he can work it out according to our good. Listen, I've shared with this, with this with you before. I went through suffering very early in my life when I lost my mom in childbirth with my brother. I've shared with you before, it's a part of who I am that I have never, I cannot remember a time in my life, listen to me, I cannot remember a time in my life when I wasn't grieving. Are you with me? But guess what? I have seen God work that out for his good in so many ways in my life. And though I would never choose to go through it, God used it. While I was a youth pastor, I had opportunities to minister to kids who lost their parents that were on the way towards destruction in their life who believed that God had abandoned them. And I was literally able to say, I understand what you're going through because I did. Because I was willing to say, even though I despise this suffering, as I choose to realize that God may just be using me for his glory, that I am able to glorify him through it and hold on to the truth that because Jesus suffered and died, that even though I'm grieving now, I will spend eternity in heaven with my mother and her and my brother. And I know that. And I know that the present suffering, like Paul says in Romans 8, is nothing compared to the glory that is at at the end. And I must, in order to live for him, in order to take his good news to the world, I must have the understanding that my suffering, though it's in a broken world, was given to me. Sometimes I can think about it as a gift so that he can produce in me the man he wants me to be, so that he can produce in me the likeness of himself, so that he can take that which was broken and dark inside of me and make it into something that is whole. Take my darkness and transfer it into his marvelous light, so that when I am my weakest, he can be the strongest person he is. And that I can glorify him through my suffering and use it to point people to the one who promised that there will no longer be any suffering. That's what I believe. And also because of this, I know that God's present in your suffering. He is. He's present in your suffering. Psalm 46, one's very clear. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a present help in trouble. Some of you are struggling right now and you think he's distant, he's not. He's never been as close. If you would just close your eyes and you would invite him, sometimes, just sometimes, you'll be able to sense that he is as close to you as the breath leaving your mouth. He's there. Isaiah 43 says this, 
Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. This was written to the nation of Israel, but do not believe that it's not for you too. He is present in your suffering. Psalm 43, 23, 4 is very clear. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. You're with me. Not only did you promise, you didn't promise to deliver me from suffering, but you, you did promise that you would be with me and deliver me through it. God is present in your suffering. But here's the struggle that we all struggle with. We want God to give us what we want in our suffering, don't we? Hey, can you please, Lord, just take, the, take your foot off the gas for a little bit, right? But sometimes, if we change our mindset in our suffering, we say, God, we want you to give us what we want, and he shows us that he is what we need. And there's a way in which I've gone through suffering in which through the suffering, I have drawn closer to him than I ever have before. And I'm here to tell you this morning that he did it. The apostle Paul went through suffering. He was beaten He was stoned. He was left for dead. And he talked about this problem that he had. He called it a thorn in his side, and we don't know what it was. There's, I could open up five commentaries in front of you and they'll all argue about it. Whatever it was, it was suffering. He suffered from it. Maybe it was from being stoned, literally with rocks, just in case you understand me here. But he was suffering. And he prayed, he said he prayed three times. God, take this away from me. I don't want to go through it. And his response from God was this. But Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. How would we change, folks, if we would approach our suffering this way? That at your weakest point is when he's the strongest. And that when you are suffering, when you are struggling, that Jesus is asking you to rely on him more and more so that he can present himself more and more in you. Right? And so Paul looks back on this and he says to himself, even though I wanted to change this, Jesus said that his grace is sufficient. So then he changes his mind. He changes his mind. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Jesus Christ. Then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We need to hear this, church. We live in a culture where we're setting up safe spaces for people when Jesus tells us that when we are attacked, he's bringing his glory for out in us. We live in a culture where the culture of offense is so strong, all we do is create one platform after the other where we can argue and be defended with one another. We live in a culture where churches split because people are offended. I've said this before. You cannot carry a cross and offense at the same time. You have to choose. When you are weak, when you are persecuted, when you are suffering, Jesus is offering you an opportunity to grow. When you're weak, he wants to be strong. Yes, suffering can come from different directions, but we can change our heart and our mind. We can actually say, no, suffering may not come from my sin. It doesn't always. Sometimes it comes because I'm in a broken world, but you know what? I can boast in it. 
Ah, your pastor can delight in the back pain that I've lived with for 20 years that I pray every day to be healed from. I can delight in it because it draws me closer to Christ every morning. Because the mornings when I can't get out of bed, I stay there a little longer to pray. Some of you, when you're in a job search, you can delight in it because you can grow in your trust as God as your provider. Some of you, when you're in a hard season, sometimes God is breaking you of self-sufficiency so that you grow deeper in him. Sometimes when you are lonely and you cannot and you feel lonely and, and everyone feels far from you, God is reminding you that he is Emmanuel, God with us. There's an opportunity for us, folks, to remember that our suffering, regardless if it's not from our sin, because I don't believe it's all from our sin to you, but it is a reality in our word, world. But because of Jesus Christ, we know that God can work out his purposes in our suffering. We know that God is present in our suffering. And God wants to bring out his glory in you and through you in the middle of it. So I hope it's changed your heart, your head a little bit this morning. I hope God spoke to you because all suffering isn't from sin. Don't be one of those people that approaches a, widow, or a, widow, uh, a mom who's just lost their kid and say something like that. Be one of the people that walks in next to them and through your love, your support, your generosity helps them see Jesus is still with them. Helps see that at one point or another he's gonna glorify himself through this. That's the call. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you that as we are gathered here this morning, we have the opportunity to say that regardless of what we're going through right now, regardless of how weak we feel, regardless of how hopeless that we feel, that in our perseverance, in our remaining under the weight and pressing in deeper to you, that you can produce diamonds out of coal, you can take the finest dust and breathe your life into it and create new creation. It's who you are. So Lord, let us, as we face our struggles, face them with a different hope this morning. And if we're good, if everything's going well right now, allow us to leave here today and and be the hope of Jesus Christ in someone else's life this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please stand with us as we close this song.